You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. We are back once again, and it is time to return to the planet Tatooine and see the double suns as we read the book of Boba Fett. It's interesting. A Star Wars show where it almost seemed like the main character wasn't even on it for quite a few episodes. It was it was very interesting. It was a new take on a very popular character and what he's become, what he's, you know, changed into and how he's going to be moving forward from it. And it was it was interesting and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it or as we like to say that is the way and as we say that is the way let us bring our book of boba fett expert on let's welcome mr mike gordon howdy not an expert on boba i do enjoy good boba tea uh but uh you know it's it's good having boba watching boba with some buddies yeah, we had Boba watching it with us also, so it was actually, you hmm. know, pretty cool too. Mine wasn't a T though, he was a puppy. So sure. So it was it was interesting. And I'm gonna go out and say it. I think it's gonna be an interesting discussion tonight, folks, because some people loved it, some people didn't, and there's a few in betweens, and we'll see where we all fit on this one. But you know what? Should be an interesting episode, and we'd love to hear from you guys. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Tell us what you guys thought about Book of Boba Fett. And I think this is the last Star Wars we have coming to us right now until May, because I think we're going to get, what, Obi-Wan next. I believe that's right. So should be interesting. And I also think in somewhere around the same time, we're also going to get Bad Batch Season 2. So... So it should be very interesting for the Star Wars fans out there. But definitely write us feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear what you guys think. And, you know, did it go the direction you wanted? Did you not? So definitely check it out. Also, a big howdy to our friends over at Patreon. Patrons, we love you guys. We really do. We, you know, appreciate every single day what you guys do for us. And so we tried to do a little bit coming back to you. We just uh, added, of course, the ESO board silly newest episode is up and we talk about the Olympics. It's going to be a lot of fun. And yes, we do talk about the laugh Olympics folks. It wouldn't be an ESO show with Kevin Eldridge on it without us talking about the laugh Olympics. So it should be a lot of fun and that's exclusive only to our patrons. We also have probably coming very soon, a new episode of ESO Rants and Raves, and we also just published a new episode of Earth Station DCU Classics with Kevin Eldridge and Drew Leiter, and it should be a ton of fun. They get to talk about the Legion of Super Pets. You know, not many podcasts get to do that anymore. So, and this all could be yours. If this is so attractive to you, you can get it for as little as a dollar a month. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network and help support us. Without you guys, we would be 
lost. That's why we're changing our name to Listener Supported ESO Network. So, you know, we're going to have a telethon. We're going to do all that kind of stuff. Just you wait, folks. We're going to be begging and pleading for money soon. We need it. We really, really do need it, especially in this economy that we're in right now. So with that being said, we also want to do a big howdy to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical has some amazing glasses, sunglasses, blue light glasses. Of course, you also have gamer glasses and you have face shields and safety goggles. You name it. Tifosi has it. And you can custom make all your glasses too, which is really awesome with colors for sh- for lenses, frames, and they're pretty reasonable prices too. And as a special thank you, you can get 10% off your whole order if you put in the coupon code EarthStation1. That's right, coupon code EarthStation1. From the bottom of our hearts to Tifosi Optical, we thank you. Check them out, tifosioptics.com. And now we're going to be joined by actor Dale Niehaus. Welcome to the show, sir. Why, I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Welcome to the station. For those people who may not be familiar with your work, tell us a little bit about what uh, what you do. Um, well, um, like you guys are saying, I'm an actor. Uh, I've been acting since 2016. Uh, I am currently 41, so I started later in life. Um, I've done a lot of local stuff. Um, they can be seen in Oklahoma, um, and hopefully, um, I will be in some stuff that will be seen all over the world later this year. Um, my fingers are crossed on that for sure, but I've done a lot of local stuff in Oklahoma. I've been background in quite a, quite a bit of uh, feature films that have been seen all over the world. Um, so always the fingers crossed that, uh, things will keep progressing and growing more and more. No, it's great. That's great. Um, you mentioned that you got into it a little bit later. Now, was this something that you had any interest in as a kid or younger growing up? As a kid, I had a, a huge imagination, but a deep fear of being in front of people and doing mm. anything. Um, you know, hence, um, you know, in, in elementary school, we had to participate in school plays, you know, for different things. And, um, one year I was Abraham Lincoln for a school play and I was sweating bullets uh, when I had to get up on stage and I'm scared to death. Um, and then a few others. And so I, and even doing uh, pay, uh, class papers and speaking in front of the class as a kid was a nightmare, even in college. Um, I always had a deep fear of being in front of people. And so um, it was, but I was too scared to death to take a leap and, uh, I was born and raised in Southern Indiana, and I didn't think there was really any resources um, in the 80s and 90s to, to pursue anything like that. So I kind of, because of those two things, I never actually looked into it. And um, so, but I still did goofy stuff on the side as I was growing up. And, and even as an adult, um, I started to uh, try to impersonate different uh, sounds of voices that I heard um, for movies and cartoons and stuff. And did that as a fun hobby for a while. Um, just not really like recording anything, but just, just doing it. And mm-hmm. so I didn't really discover acting until I moved to Oklahoma in 2015. And there was a casting call for a local, um, a local community theater. They were doing, um, the play version of Fahrenheit 451. Oh, wow. Which is a phenomenal story about future and, people not they're not wanting people to have knowledge and burning books and stuff and then of course that was all about the igniting the fire of 
of people wanting to start to learn again. And uh, so that was a cool to do that one. Um, when I got into it, uh, I first was hesitant. Um, but my then wife, um, now my ex-wife had, uh, told me, Hey, look, you know, you might, you might enjoy it. Don't be scared. Just go give it a shot. And so I went and auditioned and got a supporting role and dreaded rehearsals every minute. Um, <laughs> It was for a month long rehearsals. It was not every night, but it was about two nights a week. And I was stumbled. I was frustrated because I couldn't catch on this and that, this and that. But she wouldn't let me give up. And so the first rehearsal night, I was still scared to death, but got up and did it and started, man, this is actually kind of fun. And then when it was a one night production, so, and that was April 2016, um, went on stage and, the way the audience reacted, it was like an adrenaline rush. Uh, it's just, it, it, they say actors have described being bit by the acting bug at a certain point in their life. You know, um, that was my night that it bit me that I fell in love with it. And I didn't really do anything else until December of that year. But then after that, I loved it so much that that following year in 2017, I did something, two things, two things a month, basically on the weekends. Oh, wow. And still working a full-time job. And uh, mm-hmm. it just kept growing from there and there to where I am now. So, yeah, I, as, you know, was 2015, I was about 34, actually, when I first discovered it. And it's absolutely been wonderful ever since. It's had its frustrations, roller coaster up and downs of, do I want to stay? Do I want to quit? Which every actor goes through that sure. several times. <laughs> it, yeah, uh, that's right. Far but of course. But it's something that I've tried to step away from, and it's always brought me back. So if you love something enough, no matter how much it beats you down, or how many times you get rejections or no's or whatever else, and you still keep coming back for the punishment, um, obviously something's telling you maybe this is for you and to keep going. So there we are. <laughs> yeah, no, excellent. It's a great story. And uh, I like you. I, as young, even into my adulthood, I was, I was not comfortable speaking in front of people and everything. And it's taken me quite a while to, 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 uh, to get over that in some respects. Um, and uh, I, what I did find that when I was younger uh, doing theater, oddly enough did help. And I think one of the things about, theater was that that i didn't expect is that because you feel like you're doing it in front of a crowd but then when the i don't know that your experience is similar but then when you when you're actually performing it's so dark out there you really don't see them like you, like no you don't you don't i mean you sometimes might be able to make out a few people out there and but sure majority of time it's not like the room's lit up and all of a sudden you can see whoever all is there right. most of the time right. you see a few images in front of people and then you see the spotlight that's on stage and that's it. That's it really. But yet you can get a boost from it. Like you can, you can, it's almost like you can feel them. Like it's just, a, it's a yeah. weird, I don't, for those people who haven't experienced it, it is a, it is a very unique thing to, to experience, I think. Oh, it is. And believe me, I've, I've been in total of three plays since I got in 2017. Um, that was the first one. And then I was also in a local theater at Sooner Theater in Norman, Oklahoma. I was doing the uh, uh, play version, uh, Oliver. Oh, wow. Um, oh, so you're doing musicals as well? Well, I didn't sing in that one, though. I didn't <laughs> sing that because, I mean, another personal, I do do I do pretty good in karaoke. But when it comes to professional singing, yeah, I'm not going to quit my day job for that. Um, but 
No, I played his adopted grandfather, Mr. Brownlow, in that one. That was a really fun one, actually, getting a really good supporting role. But um, there's something about the adrenaline of being on stage and the fact that for anybody who's never been on theater or in front of a camera, um, in front of a camera, when you're doing a film or something, they can yell cut and redo it over if you make a mistake. When you're on stage on theater, it's live. There is no cuts. You literally, on the fly, if you make a mistake with the line, you have to go with it. And the adrenaline of that is sometimes figuring out on the fly how to keep going to not forget your lines and just to make it work to where the audience has no clue. And it's awesome when you do get to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, And the company, there's something about, you know, and even, um, you know, with a, a film or TV project, too, uh, you get you, there's a camaraderie that you build with the cast and the crew and, and the director and all the creative people. And it's just a great on the right projects. It's a great energy to be part of. Oh, yeah. Once you you get on the right project with the right about people, you all kind of become like this close knit. Like I would say normal family, but I think anybody who's in some type of entertainment uh, or even radio or anything else, there's something about us that is definitely not normal because we have that part of our brain that's more of the creative side. And sometimes we don't always think exactly within the box. It seems like. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of people are confused when they think of actors and what you like about acting or whatever, you know, usually it's the fame or the prestige mm-hmm. or the awards or the accolades or the popularity of the fame, whatever. But I, I, I don't think it's, I don't think that stuff is nearly as addictive as the actual like performing either in front of people or with a, group of creative people i mean the, i think that's where the real high comes from and that's why it's so addictive that once you get bit by that bug you feel it all the time right and you want it again right oh oh yeah and also too on that note like anybody who gets into acting just for the fame of the fortune they are doing it for the wrong reason because i'm gonna <laughs> tell you something right now it's great when somebody does make it big uh, and if they're obviously if they're wanting to be that fame and fortune great Honestly, the idea of fame and fortune, it just does not sound appealing to me. I mean, I would love to get to a point that I'm doing enough projects and make enough money that I'm living comfortably and can enjoy my life. But I don't want the fame and fortune that because if you're not in love with what you do, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're going to fail. You don't want to just go after like, I want to do this, become rich and famous. Well, first of all, it may take you decades to get to that point, just depending on the path you choose. But also, too, if that's the only reason you're doing it, you're setting yourself up for failure because you're not going to be passionate about it. You're not going to want to keep going when it gets tough. That's the biggest part is if you're not passionate about it and then everything's coming against you, you're not booking this and that, you're going to want to quit and you're not going to keep going with it. So, yeah, definitely fame and fortune. I'd be happy if I never got that. If I'm just booking enough to be comfortable, I'm completely good with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, And it looks like you're off to a great start. I mean, as long as you've been doing it, I mean, the IMDb has you down for over 30 some credits. And and that's, I mean, even though a lot of them are shorts or whatever, it's still, that's pretty impressive. And it it shows you that, uh, it shows that you have quite a range, I think. Um, is there something that you look for in a part? I mean, granted, you'll you'll probably take what comes, but are, are there things that you like your dream goal of like what you would like to to play? Um, you know, 
before I shaved my head, my head wasn't always shaved, by the way. Yeah, I did, wasn't born with bald and stayed that way. Um, I did have hair at one point, just FYI. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I started noticing even my, you know, middle 30s, um, I started to go thinning on top of my head. Uh, not saying I'm completely bald when I do grow hair, but it's it's pretty receded. So in 2018, I uh, never done it before. It'd been a while. I used to buzz my hair really close, but I decided to actually buzz it down with no guard and shave it, completely shave my head. And I found out afterwards that a lot more people liked the look. And before then, I was only booking either dad roles, um, just the the super nice guy, whatever. I started noticing when I got to the bald head look, people started maybe seeming more of the opposite side. Ah, interesting. Not it didn't happen at first, but I've actually gotten to play a few bad guy roles, and I'll tell you something: playing a bad guy is awesome, and <laughs> and it's awesome because I'm not I'm the most down to earth, peaceful, easygoing person you can meet. And I when I get to play something that I'm not, it's fun because I'm doing it in a safe environment, and it's okay to play that person that may be the killer or whatever else. But it's it's just kind of, and it was, it's challenging too, because then you're challenging yourself to play, play something you're not. And so uh, I think an awesome, an awesome role to get one of these days being a feature would be some type of, you know, killer or actually a mob boss. Honestly, I would love to play some type of mafioso or mob boss or something in, a, a picture. I think that would be an absolute blast. Uh, that would be a dream role is to play a mob boss. There is a, uh, yeah, there's a couple of shots on your IMDb page that I'm like, yeah, I could see where you, that would be a, I mean, you've got the kind of look though, even with the baldness, you've got a kind of look that could go either way. So I'm sure that makes you very like uh, marketable, I guess. You could even be look like you could be playing a young Walter White or something like that. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, see, and I love I love that uh, that show Breaking Bad, believe me. And so, don't trust me, I would be tickled pink if I got to play a younger Walter White, believe me, because nothing, I mean, and you can't replace Brian Cranston's acting. I'm sorry, I do is phenomenal. Um, but to play a younger version of his character, oh my God, that would be, that'd be freaking wonderful, man. Yeah, I, if they ever come out with that, I hope that, <laughs> I hope at that time I'll be in the running for it because that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that compliment, guys. I really do. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, you said that, uh, you know, you might have some things coming up or some things in the pipeline that uh, are going to uh, be seen by a lot more people. Is there anything that you can talk about or? Um, yeah, actually, um, there's a TV pilot series that I'm on here locally in Oklahoma. Um, it's called The Joneses. Uh, and when I was saying something about being used to being cast in a dad role, well, Kind of is, um, but it's about a family called the Joneses, and they're as a husband and wife and their kids. Their kids are in their 20s living at home still um, when they probably should be moved out. Uh, husband and wife, of course, typical husband and wife where they love each other, but again, I see there's nerves. Uh, husband's a doctor, wife's a lawyer, and she has a very dysfunctional rebel sister that likes to stir up kind of all kinds of craziness and but it's one that i think everyone watching it can relate to somehow because 
no matter who you are in your family, you've got a member of that part of your family somewhere. You've got the relative that obviously drives you nuts and does everything wrong. You've got who doesn't have kids. And some people have kids that are grown and still live at home that frustrate them. Uh, and then who hasn't had a significant other where you've drove each other nuts by the things you say. Um, but it's a, it's a family friendly type of show. Uh, the producers wanted to make it that way, but mm-hmm. we are work. We're filming that right now. I'm not sure on the release date or where it's going to be released at, but it will be streaming somewhere where it will be seen worldwide. Uh, it's wow, going to be, that's a, exciting. It's going to be a really, really cool show. I cannot, cannot wait for everybody to see it. It's, it's been fun making it. And I think everybody's going to find some enjoyment. It's kind of like a, if you look at the office to where sometimes the actors will be talking to the camera, like interview right. style. Right. We do include some of that in this, uh, just because of the fact we thought that was really neat. Just kind of an idea of just, you know, like them, like having a vending session or something about their family. And then it goes back to the part with the family doing their scenes or whatever else. And it's just, but it's got a mix of comedy uh, there's some drama in it. There's moments that'll be people be laughing. There'll be a few moments where people are crying. It's just overall going to be a really heartfelt show, I think. Nice, nice, and uh, yeah, you know, the family drama. That's something you don't see a lot of these days. So it's welcome, welcome to have that back. I think. Um, so, uh, so now that we found out what you're working on and what some of your projects are, let's find out what you're passionate about, Mike. I think he's ready for the geek seat. All right. Dale is trying to pretend to be a tough guy. Let's see if he can keep up the act now that he's, you know, coming into the geek seat and everything. All right, let's see. All right, Dale. Ready for your first question in the geek seat? Oh, the pressure's on. I'm sweating, but let's do it. All right. What was your favorite geek out moment? Oh, man. Oh, favorite geek out moment. Well... I was sad. Um, I've, I mean, I've had several, but I'll, I'll go with recently because I've been waiting. I've been waiting for the Morbius movie to come out. I've been dying for that movie to come out. Um, and when I found out it got pushed back to April, it about because it broke my heart because in the sense that um, it was coming out the weekend of my birthday, which is January 30th is the, my birthday. Um, and it was supposed to come out that weekend and then they changed it. And that just, that kind of like made me, Oh man. But uh, but that was recent. Uh, but no, um, I think my geek out moment. Um, well, I love acting, um, so I will say my geek out moment honestly was when I truly fell in love with acting, and when no matter what anybody told me, I didn't care because I knew what I liked, and so I I'm an acting geek. I, I love it. I love to be in front of the camera, and I love to to entertain people, I guess. So I guess that would be a geek out moment. I mean, I'm, I've had plenty of them, but I just kind of chose those particular ones, for example. No, dude, that's awesome. I love it. And, you know, cause you finally got to start doing a craft that you've loved your whole life and you finally are doing it, which is awesome. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> what was your most disappointing geek out moment though? Most disappointing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And hopefully it's not being on the podcast. So, you know, we'd hate to hear that. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, most disappointing geek out moment. My God, that is a tough one. That's why we uh, like Basecamp. Huh? 
That's why I like asking it. I, I know, I know. Uh, okay. So there's different opinions on the prequels and the sequels to Star Wars. Okay. So people have their pros and cons. I honestly, I don't want to piss people off. Um, I was not super stoked about them necessarily. um, Just because of the fact I'm, I was always pro four, five and six. Um, But there was just certain aspects of episodes one, two, three, and then even seven, eight, nine that, I felt they could have done differently, but so, I mean, they weren't hardcore disappointments. It was just kind of one of those that you get super stoked about going and seeing them. And then, then after the fact, when you do watch them again, you're like, I wasn't as super excited, but, but honestly, actually I changed that just because of the fact I'm a star Wars fan and no matter what, I will watch them because I'm just not going to lie. The actual one that truly, truly disappointed me was the, um, the, the Hulk movie with Eric Banner. Oh yeah. That one, Nick Nolte. I honestly was truly disappointed when I watched that because I was expecting so much more. And when I watched that, it was completely thrown off story. I just, that version of it, Thank God they made the Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton, and then obviously now Mark Ruffalo playing him. But that one that came out, I just I can't put my head around it. I just I was completely disappointed in watching that one. It just wasn't the Hulk like I was expecting. No, dude, I, I'm on the page with you on that one. I think they've totally redeemed the Hulk from that. Yes, they have, and nothing against any Star Wars fans for that. I do like, I do think the prequels and the sequels were necessary. I just. I'm four, five, and six hardcore. That's just how I am. Dude, this is your segment. You don't have to apologize to anybody. That's just how I am. I'm not used to doing that. I'm just because you're the nice guy. That's why. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) What geeks you out the most? (sighs) What geeks me out the most? Yep. You got some thinking questions right here. Of course. I like that. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. We wouldn't want this to be a total cakewalk. No, I mean, you know, you don't want to make it too easy on me. I mean, even though I'm not super genius or anything. Um, What really geeks me out is when I am asked to do voiceover work. Um, I've, like I was telling you guys, um, I started doing impersonations um, back in high school. And just kept developing more characters, even into my 20s and 30s, and then accents and stuff. And so when I get to do a voiceover role, it's awesome, man. I love to be able to be goofy in a sense that I change the pitch of my voice and it's okay, you know. It used to annoy people when I would do it, you know. But I, I absolutely love love when I get to do that. It's, it's so awesome, man. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But what turns your geek off? What turns that geek off or just turns my geek off in itself? What what turns your geek off? Oh, what turns my geek off? Um, Oh man. Um, Okay. I'm going to think about this one because I guess what turns my, what turns my geek off um, is hatred. Um, And that's in many forms. Uh, It can be, 
hatred of somebody's skin color or their sexual orientation um, or whether it's it's physical hatred. Um, one thing that really turns my crank and I cannot stand is people that abuse women and children. Um, I, I do not like it. I will not stand for it. And so I'd have to say that probably there's just hatred in any form is really what turns my geek off. No, dude. I'm right. Th- Damn it. I have to agree with you once again. Ah. <laughs> Man, I'm not making it easy for you either. <laughs> no. It's not like I'm here to laugh at you or anything, but I sometimes go, really? When people say some stuff. But, dude, that's completely true. It's it's awesome. I love hearing this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Oh, that is a tough one. Oh, there are so many. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's so many of those. That's a tough one. Um, I'd have to say, if I didn't narrow it down, it would be two of them. Um, it would either be Deadpool or Wolverine. Um, I say Wolverine because growing up, he was my favorite X-Men. Mostly because, unlike me, he would he was outwardly you know he would express his his anger is all his stuff outwardly, but inside he was a really sweet person. Um, and I was never able to express my frustration. I had a trouble with expressing that as a kid, and would always bottle it up. And so seeing a character like Wolverine who also had his cool powers, but he also just complex in a sense that he, he seemed like this rage fueled monster, but in reality he was just trying to deal with regular life in a sense, even though he was different. And that also too, cause he was different. I felt different and in Deadpool because he's a smart ass. And I, I just always dug Deadpool character. I've always thought because he was outside of the box of, Superhero. He really, really wasn't a superhero. He didn't even call himself that. He was. He didn't really define himself as a superhero, even though he kind of was put in that category. He just was Deadpool, and so the, those two, I think, are just absolutely awesome. So I would pick those two. Would you want to have a beer with both of them? Oh fuck yes, I would. And <laughs> and with Logan, I would want a cigar too. Because I mean, who would want to smoke a cigar and drink beer with Logan? I mean, you know, he could cut the t- tip of the cigar off with his adamantium claws. I mean, so. And then, okay. Yeah. No, nope. <laughs> Totally understand that. Who needs one of the cutters? You have like, just go, shh. You know, your- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what fictional character would you not like to meet, though? Fictional character I wouldn't want to meet. Ooh. Okay. Um... Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, man. Um, well, going to another universe. Even though he's, you know, now everybody's just seen all the Harry Potter stuff, so they already know how that ends. Um, the Voldemort, because he's Voldemort. He yeah, yeah, he's a narcissist. He's a dick. He's hateful, and I mean, he's not cool. Um, he's all about himself. And so, yeah, I definitely would not want to meet Voldemort because he's just not cool. I don't know. Just something about him. Nope. Totally understand that. You're not the first person to say that one. So I do. It's cool. 
Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's other people I'm sure I definitely want to meet. I was just thinking of definitely somebody I wouldn't want to meet. And I was like, you know what? I'll throw in a little Harry Potter there, you know, because I do like Harry Potter too. So. Okay, that's cool. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? <laughs> um. <laughs> Dude, I told you, I'll being st- on the show is not like anything else you've ever done before. You, you know, you're right, and it's not. It's not at all, man. It's not. Um. um shit. Um, well, I used to say one as a kid. Um, I used to say... I don't say it anymore. It's like, I don't know if that would actually be my term. Now I used to say like, what's up home slice. Uh, and so, but, um, dude, uh, yeah, this is difficult. Um, um, okay. I'm trying to think of this one. This is good. I like how you make people think that's why I freaking like, um, uh, that's, uh, man, favorite geek phrase. Um, oh, I let me see with, with this one. Uh, there was there was one I said once that I, I really liked, and uh, I think it's like, man, this trip's taking so long. We might as well travel to Mordor. I mean. It's just- <laughs> I, I do. I, it was a smart ass phrase, but I did like that one. I was like, yeah, it's tip. It's like, man, trip takes so long. We're like, we're traveling to Mordor. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you. What is your ideal geek occupation? Oh. All right. I'm not going to go with the obvious because I would say acting, but I've already talked a ton about acting. Um, an ideal geek occupation. Um, man, when I was a kid, I thought the coolest thing in the world would be to be able to watch movies all day long, and get paid to do it. And I know they, you know, there used to be movie critics used to do that stuff, but I just think that would have been cool to be able to actually just sit there all day long, watch the movies. Of course, it would have to be some you wanted to watch. It couldn't be all the ones you didn't, but it would be freaking cool to be able to sit there and watch movies all day long and get paid to do it, man. I think that'd be a totally geek, geek occupation, man. No, that would be awesome. Can't yeah. complain about that one. What geek yeah. occupation would you not like to do, though? Oh, uh, geek occupation I would not want to do. Uh, uh, well, um, I tried it for a while. I wasn't a big fan of it. Uh, uh, plumbing. I'm not really a big fan of plumbing, to be honest. Uh, uh just because the fact of what all entails with that, that's definitely not a clean job and it's very dirty. So nothing against plumbers or anything like that, but I, I yeah, a geek job, but geek job wise, uh, we're going geek job. That's not a geek job. Well, I guess it could be depending on who you are. Um, the geek job that I wouldn't want to have. Um, hmm. Um, I'm not, not very organized. And so, and I, I think you consider us a geek job just cause I mean, I'm sure you'd have to love what you do to do it is to be an accountant. 
just because of the fact I'm not very organized. I do like numbers, but that just sounds horrible having to sit down and file paperwork, do people's books and all that stuff every day. That just sounds completely horrible to me. So I'm just going to go with accountant. I understand that completely. Well, you actually had two stinky answers there, so it's perfect. So, oh, the uh, the accountant and then what was it? And what, the plumber. What? Yeah, no, that's really stinky. Believe me, I I, I went through a pipe fitter and plumber's apprenticeship for about a year, and I realized it wasn't for me just because of yeah, no, no, nope, you're rolling in it literally. So, <laughs> what is your ultimate geek fantasy? This is for all the Marvels, so let's make it good. Ultimate Geek Fantasy. Okay. Um, hmm. Ultimate Geek Fantasy. Okay. My Ultimate Geek Fantasy. And this is going to go back to acting. I know I'm all making it all about myself. Uh, this is my your segment. Story. Of course it's about yourself. Come on. Yeah, so. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Um, my Ultimate Geek Fantasy would be to be cast in a Marvel film or some, or like that new Lord of the Rings series they have out. I honestly, if I could be cast in, in the Marvel universe or in the Lord of the Ring universe, I would be completely at joy just because of how much I love those universes so much. That would be like a kid again, just brought to life. That's awesome. That is awesome. Those, you know, those are, it's a great time to be a geek right now. Basically, it's pretty darn cool with everything that's coming out. And you do have the possibility of being in one of those, you know, you're in the field. Yeah. Never it, say it never. Nice. No. And I'm a plus size guy. I mean, so there's always that chance. It won't be like a Thor type character, but I'm sorry. Chris Hemsworth is awesome. as Thor, but, uh, but yeah, there is always that chance to even be some, Oh, like regular bad guy in there that just gets killed off in the first 20 minutes. You never know. <laughs> well, it, it was awesome though. You know how Thor looked at in Endgame; It gave the rest of us oh, some hope, you know? God, I know that was such a twist, man. And I like how they covered it up until it came out. And all of a sudden they showed him as the beer gut eating, drinking heavier plus set Thor. And I'm just like, Yes, that's so awesome. Just because they threw that in there is what you weren't expecting. But it was just like, man, it is really awesome that they threw us a curveball. <laughs> it was pretty awesome, especially how cut Chris Hemsworth is in real life. It's just like, yeah, okay. I don't feel so bad getting out of bed every morning. That's good. <laughs> well, Dale, I've got some great news for you, my friend. You've made it to the Geek Seat. Congratulations. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network, a value easily worth $26.50. We have had a great time chatting with you, sir. Um, Where can people go? Like you said, you're not sure where that uh, the Joneses is going to stream yet, but uh, if people want to check out what you're doing, um, find out more about you. Where should they go online? Okay. Um, there's a couple different places. I, I've not gotten on Twitter. I, I have a Twitter one, but I don't use it. So I'm not even going to throw that out there just because I don't even know if it's still active. Um, I have a few different places uh, that I'm active on. I have uh, IMDB. You, of course, can look me up on there. That shows all of my filmography and everything else. Cool. Just look up Dale Niehaus on there. Um, 
on Instagram, I have an interesting tagline. It's, this is actually the, the motto I go by in life. Um, on Instagram, you can find me uh, either Dale Niehaus Official or Helping Others is the Greatest. That's my tag on there. And oh, wow. I, that's because of my motto in life, Helping Others is the Greatest. Um, and then, of course, I'm on Facebook, like most people are, which it gets annoying at times. It's uh, just under <laughs> Dale A. Niehaus because – my dad also is Dale Niehaus, and he just goes by Dale Niehaus on there. So if you look me up on on Facebook, look Dale A. Niehaus. And for my profile picture right now, it's a picture of my three boys. Nice. Gotcha. Definitely check it out, folks. And we'll have links up to all your stuff up on our show notes. Absolutely. Appreciate it. I appreciate you all very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Really Dale, good. anytime you want to come by to promote your stuff, feel free to drop by. Maybe you even have a panel with the rest of the show. Ooh, I would love to be a panel on the rest of the show. That'd be really awesome, man. Cool. We'll definitely stay in touch. And thank you so much, and congratulations for making it through the Geek Seat. Hey, I appreciate you guys not torturing me too much. Oh, we've only <laughs> we've only had one fatality. It was no big deal, you know. But, oh, okay. Well, one one ain't bad. No, not not in twelve years we've been doing this. It's pretty good. <laughs> good. So awesome, man. Let's take a quick break, and we will be back in a moment. And we are going to be talking all about the book of Boba Fett. nerd stuff i do and do you like adult beverages i super do <laughs> well then you should join us with a drink with a drink with a drink on but first let's talk nerdy clink <laughs> on the eso network we'll see you on tuesday maybe next tuesday maybe i am boba fett Left for dead on the sands of Tatooine. Jabba ruled with fear. I intend to rule with respect. Doing your helmets and it's time to put on a sidearm, partner. It's time for the Book of Boba Fett. Take it away, Mikey. Absolutely. We're going to talk Boba with some buddies. And, of course, we have our, our Star Wars movie. Well, usually it's movie person. But in this case, it's our Star Wars person. Ashley's with us. Well, thank you. I, I couldn't let you guys talk about a Star Wars topic without me. So thank you for letting me back on the station. Yes, even more so than movie reviews. I think it's pretty much a guarantee. If we're talking Star Wars and you're not there, something's wrong. Yes, so Star Wars is my thing, so I'm very excited to talk about this uh, new show with you guys. Absolutely, and we also have with us our good friend Michael Faulkner. Welcome back, sir. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, especially talking about Star Wars. I, I've been a fan for a long, long time, since I got my first book in the in the 80s and started reading it, and it's it's been great to see this new resurgence of, of the franchise, so... Uh, it's been nothing short of massive uh, as far as this resurgence. Uh, I mean, we're getting so much Star Wars, we hardly know what to do with it. Um, and uh, all right, so word of mouth on this one uh, has been mixed to be kind, I think. Um, but, uh, you know, I want to get 
you know, there's a lot of like hype about this and a lot of stuff that I think misinformation and weird expectations and false reporting and all that sort of thing. So I want to try to get to, to this as uh, deeply as we can without getting sort of involved in a lot of the mucky muck that uh, unfortunately seems to like hang over Star Wars franchise like a dark cloud, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think that was, you know, uh, that's been the case ever since really the, the, the Force Awakens, I think. Uh, but it really came out with uh, Last Jedi, and then, of course, I think ever since then. But anyway, we're going to have some the two sons of Tatooine shine down on us to get rid of all that dark clouds. Ashley, what was your thoughts going into the Book of Boba Fett? And real overall, what did you think uh, at the end? Yeah, um, I was excited for a Boba Fett standalone story ever since um, Disney bought Lucasfilm and rumors started surfacing that oh they're going to do a project with boba fett i think at one time james mangold was it attached to do a movie about him or it was rumored i still think that would have been an awesome thing to see especially after seeing what he did with logan but that's a side point and then seeing boba fett pop up in the mandalorian season two was really exciting i thought he was used really well and then the finale of the mandalorian season two i you already have the scene where you see luke show up so your mind is blown but then the after credits uh scene where you see boba fett basically taking over jabba's old throne like what a great teaser for a series so i was really looking forward to the book of boba fett and seeing what they'll do with this character who has so much like all this legend and kind of mythic epicness that have surrounded him ever since he appeared in the empire strikes back. I feel like fans have been building him up and speculating about him. And especially since he did have some storylines in the expanded universe, which is no longer Canon, but those stories are out there. So I would say that um, I kind of landed somewhere in the middle on this series. I think there's a lot to love. There's some things I didn't care for, but I think it really is a shame that in fandom so often people are driven to one of two extremes. Like, Oh, I love this. This is the best thing ever. Oh, I hated this. This is is terrible and a waste of time. And I think there's a lot of room for discussion in the middle there. So I'm glad I watched it. I think there's some things I really enjoyed and I'm excited about, but there's some things I would have done differently, which I'm sure we'll get into more as we go through the discussion here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Michael Faulkner, what about you? You know, I was, I was really excited about this, this series when uh, the season two finale of the Mandalorian came up and this, this stinger came out of nowhere, you know, here's Boba Fett, you know, taking over Jabba's court. And I was like, whoa, I had not heard about this at all. And now it's here. This is, this is what is going on. Um, the, the thing about Boba Fett in this era of Star Wars is that the Mandalorian made me care about this character. I I'm one of the star Wars fans who, you know, watching empire and Jedi in 80 and 83. Um, I didn't care at all about Boba Fett. Like he has very limited screen time. He's just there to be a hunter and it, he goes out like a complete punk. <laughs> you know, he falls into the <laughs> Sarlacc pit. So, um, you know, I never got the fan hype around the character. I was just like, whatever you know I, I just don't care uh, the eu only kind of kind of exacerbated that because they wanted to tell stories about boba fett but they didn't want to ruin the mystery and so they would have all these different origin stories and this kind of weird you know well is he or isn't he this person and where he comes from and all this kind of stuff and it wasn't until the prequel era when they they revealed him as a clone of Django fett that i started really kind of getting interested again like 
okay, this, this is a unique take and I kind of like what they're doing here. And he went up through the Clone Wars the same way, started kind of building up a bit here and there. Uh, there was the rumor of the game uh, 1313 before uh, Lucasfilm was sold to, or before the Star Wars franchise was sold to Disney. Um, then that just got shelved. And so, you know, when, when we heard the spur sound in, in the Gunslinger, uh, which was when we met Fennec Shand in The Mandalorian, I think it's season one, and you're like, oh, I know that sound. <laughs> yeah, what's going on here? And then they pop up out of the blue, and here's here's Boba Fett in season two. I'm like, okay, I want to see what happens now. And then that stinger at the end just just blew my mind. And, and this this series, I think, capitalized on a lot of that goodwill that that was generated. Um, like Ashley said, there's a lot that, that I can we can look at and discuss that it kind of fell flat in, in a lot of spaces. But I think overall, it was a good experience and a good story, especially when you consider some of the some of the background that they were attempting, I think, to, to, uh, to develop with this series and some of the, the non-linear storytelling, the non-conventional storytelling, I think it did a lot. It made a lot of strides forward. Uh, but you know, there's just those things that kind of pull it back a little bit. So it came out for me, uh, above average, you know, it was, it was a good experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? For me, it was interesting because I loved the Mandalorian. I loved, from the very beginning, the series, and I love how they incorporated Boba Fett into it as, you know, coming back as, you know, trying to redeem himself, get his armor back, gain his reputation back. And he was being honorable to the, to Mando to help him out on his mission. And it was interesting to see then the stinger at the end, you know, when they announced book of Boba Fett. And I was like, Oh, and then the series came and, you know, I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but I didn't get what I was expecting. This was more of a slow burn. This was more of a book, the different chapters and building on the character, learning how he escaped, you know, the Silac. And, and it was just interesting because like Mike Faulkner said, what? Boba Fett's here? Where? Ah! It was like, that was just pathetic. And he was such a cool character, and so much was built up around him before that. And I think it was interesting that he built this thing around him, and I'm happy with it. Was I thrilled with it? No, I was not thrilled with it, but I was happy with it. And I'm looking forward to hearing what everyone else has to say about it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, um, you know, as far as Boba Fett fandom goes, I mean, I was right there at the beginning. I watched the holiday special when he was introduced and I thought he was cool. Then um, I sent away for the figure, the exclusive figure and which we got before empire came out um, and was surprised to see that he was only an empire for maybe like 10 minutes tops. If you had it all together, um, but he was pretty impressive in that, that 10 minutes. Um, and then of course, uh, I think one thing that most everybody, uh, can agree with is the way Boba Fett went out at Return of the Jedi was not good. <laughs> like it was just, uh, yeah, not cool. So, um, and we figured that was it for the end of Boba Fett. And there had been a lot of expanded universe stuff, kind of like painting him as this, Bounty hunter, Clint Eastwood type kick-ass guy that, 
was just the best bounty hunter in in the universe, right? Like he was, he was, and I think in one of those, I think it's either the holiday special or empire or something. Darth, Darth Vader himself says that he's the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. And I mean, what else you don't need any higher, more higher praise than that. Um, But uh, of course the prequels changed everything as far as what we know about Mandalorians and then what we would learn about Boba Fett, because we'd actually see him as a boy um, which is just not something I was expecting from the prequels at all. Um, but, uh, and so now we've got this story on Boba Fett and I, I really wanted to, um, cause I was thinking about this and I wasn't really sure why I felt some of the way I, I felt about Boba Fett, but I really have to give credit to our good friend, Jay Shurer and how stories work. And he did a podcast on, on, uh, the two, actually two or three Boba Fetts that we have now in the star Wars universe. There's the Boba Fett that was created out of the holiday special and empire, the best bounty hunter in the galaxy kind of guy. And then there's the Boba Fett that came out of clone wars, this kid, that's a clone, uh, the clone of Jango Fett. And uh, he goes and he goes into the clone wars saga with Dave by Dave Filoni. And he's uh, trained by Cad Bane and he, you know, he's yearning for family. He's yearning for that connection. He's also trying to make his way in the universe the next time we see him, of course, is uh, Empire and then the events of Return of the Jedi. And then we can pre- presume dead, although ev- like so many people don't want him to be dead. I think it was just a foregone conclusion that if Filoni and then later Jay Fa- um, Favreau was on the case, that they would bring him back to life. And they did. Uh, you know, I think they teased it a lot in Mandalorian before they actually did it. Uh, and then they did it and we were all like, oh my God, this is the Boba Fett. He's kicking ass. This is a guy we like. We love him, you know? And then we get the stinger at the end where he kind of kicks Jabba out and becomes like the, he's on his way to becoming the, the new crime Lord and the book of Boba Fett's coming. And then that's when as as cool as I thought that stinger was, I was kind of like, is that where I really saw Boba Fett going? Like I, did I really see him be wanting to be a crime Lord as his ultimate goal? So I think it, I had a hard time getting around the premise of the, 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 whole, the whole season. But once I bought in the premise, I'm like, well, that, I can't change it. So this is what the premise is. So let's watch it. Um, I, I am very positive about the series, but there are some things I definitely would have done differently, even with the premise. Um, I think there were too many scene, the sequences where Boba Fett did, seemed like he wasn't like the smartest guy in the room which I, I always felt like he should be. Um, he was, And he didn't really do a lot in his own series um, until the very end, um, which I think, you know, was a great finale. Um, and so the finale left me uh, definitely in a good place where, and, and I think also there's a lot been said, and Mike even pointed out earlier that there's a lot been made of the fact that in two plus episodes, about two episodes, really one and, 90% of another episode, Boba Fett's not even in, right? Um, and, and you know, Filoni has, had a, has, has done that all along when he's done his Star Wars shows. There's been, there were episodes of Clone Wars where you don't see clone, or, you don't see anything happening with the Clone Wars. You get like the droids, you get this, you get that or whatever. Uh, I think the Mandalorian had an episode where he didn't appear in, 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 in that too. So they do like backstory stuff a lot. Uh, I do think that Filoni is looking at it, and now that Favreau's on board as well, 
they're kind of telling this epic thing called Star Wars, and it's just subtitled different things for every like little chapter, right? But it's the same continuing story from Clone Wars to Book of Boba Fett and even beyond. I think uh, I think it's just been one story with a lot of these same characters coming back, Ahsoka being one of them. And if I haven't mentioned it already, and I know it might be too late, but I think I haven't mentioned it, but we are going to be spoiling this series. <laughs> If yeah, we did forget to mention that. Yeah, the I end. did. We did. Um, you know, so I'll try to put something on the on the description, the show notes, or whatever. But um, so yeah, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, um, I do apologize because we will be spoiling it, and we have already done that, I'm sure. Um, but overall, I liked it. So let's. I want to hear from you, Ashley. What do you feel about the character himself, of Boba Fett, and how he was portrayed in this series? Yeah, so I think they do a lot of interesting things with Boba Fett in within the series that I wasn't necessarily expecting. I one of the highlights for me was actually his time with the Tuscan Raider tribe. That was definitely not necessarily a place I was thinking they were going, but I really like how the Star Wars franchise recently has been adding more depth and nuance to the Tuscan Raiders. I'm in the past, you know, you just saw these people in the desert that everybody was afraid of but now you see yes they have a culture they are people they have a right to be here as much as anybody else on Tatooine and I liked how he made an effort to become a part of their tribe to learn their customs and to also help them with some of the dangers that they were facing and so it really gave him that sense of belonging that He's been missing ever since the loss of his father. I kind of wish they had done more with the Tuscans. In some ways, it feels like they were killed off very suddenly. And it kind of leaves how I ultimately felt about Boba's character journey in this series. I think they're doing some really interesting things. I don't know if they necessarily connected all the dots, like how we get from this very stoic Clint Eastwood-esque bounty hunter that we see in Empire Strikes Back to this guy that's interested in investing in these communities and tattooing, interested in protecting people and doing things, not necessarily even just for himself, but looking out for others. So kind of bridging that gap a little bit more in showing how he got there. And I enjoyed seeing his partnership um, with Finnick Shand. Uh, always great to see Ming Nawen and I, they could have put her in a lot more of it and I wouldn't have complained <laughs> and just interesting to like return to tattooing in this period right after the empire when things are still kind of unstable. So yeah, I, I thought they made a lot of interesting decisions. I don't know that they necessarily fleshed it all out as well as they could have, but it was great to see uh Timur Morrison returning as the character and to get to see him uh, play Boba Fett. I have a soft, spot in my heart for attack of the clones so it's nice to see him continue to be accepted in the star wars universe and to get to play that character and put on the armor absolutely i think uh and i think some of the moments yes with uh i mean the uh the sequence where uh jango fett is faced up against um obi-wan i believe right um in attack of the clones is one of the best battles i think of that whole series um, and we finally get to see like a FET in action. Uh, this is something that we didn't really get to a lot of see. And we got the, robbed of that, I think, in Return of the Jedi when Boba Fett went out. So like a punk. Um, um, 
But uh, I also agree that Tim Morrison is doing, he's just great. I mean, mm-hmm. I, whatever the faults of the show might be, the character, whatever, it's not him. Oh, yeah. Um, he was Oh, excellent. no, not at all. Yeah, I think he's solid. Uh, I have no problem with him. I mean, granted, he's a little older now. So those people who want that action Boba Fett guy, I mean, that's just not who Morrison is now. <laughs> like, I mean, he can bring it, but he's not going to do that every episode, right? So you've got to have, I guess, others do that as well. Um, but I agree with you. What you, you made a couple points about connecting the dots. I think just a couple of simple things could have connected the dots a bit better. Like when when he found out that the Tuscans were his Tuscan family was was massacred. Like we never saw like the young one that he had connected with, and we never saw like like what had, like I guess he was dead too, but we didn't see that, and yeah. we never really saw that that connection that he would have made seeing that, you know. Um, because I would think out of all the figures that he connected to in that village, in that small village, that would have been one that he would have connect, made that more personal connection with. And, it, and we should have seen that reaction. I agree. And that would have spawned him to vengeance more than anything else. Um, likewise, you know, uh, Boba Fett, we find out like his armor uh, gets taken by the Jawas, right? And then sold to eventually it ends up with... Uh, uh, Cobb Vanneth, right? Yes. Yes. We don't know how Boba Fett finds out that that uh, the Mandalorian gets it. Like, he goes off to get it, but we don't, like, how did he know that? We have no idea. Um, so, I mean, there's, like, these little, like, I don't want to call them, like, plot holes, but they're just little gaps that would have, it would have been nice if they connected the dots a little bit better. I think you're right. They could have, like, some of the stuff seemed like, oh, well, we'll just fill that in later maybe or something in a comic or whatever i think now that they have that option they send that they sort of lean on that sometimes some mm-hmm. franchises do uh michael what about you what did you feel about the main character yeah i, I think you uh, you really touched on something there when you talk about Tamar morrison you talk about he's, he's not that kind of guy anymore and it's kind of how i looked at at boba fett overall in this series when they announced the title and then some of the the discussion going into it about it being Mandalorian season 2.5. Um, I started thinking of it in two ways. First was as, as you know, we, as comics fans know, um, you have like a big event series and they do a little spinoff or a little, little spur kind of things. You know, they take some characters that go off to the side a little bit, have a little adventure, come back into the main cycle. Um, that's kind of how I looked at that for the comic side, but also really the first thing that popped in my head when they said book of Boba Fett was, was something more biblical, honestly, and how it's, it was, it's not necessarily in, in a lot of religions when they talk about the book of whoever, it's not a story about that person. It's a story told by that person about a legend. And so like this, I started looking at it as, okay, well maybe, maybe this is, especially with his dream sequences he had, as he's thinking about his past, Mm. It's a story told by an unreliable narrator about the legend of this man who came to save the people of Mos Espa and to, to reestablish the, the legacy of Tatooine. And, and so once I kind of settled into that, I was like, okay, I, I, I'm really starting to, to feel this. You know, I'm starting to, to enjoy it. Um, I really liked how, how Boba Fett now, after his escape from the Sarlacc, it's almost like a resurrection where he's now, um, yeah, he, he's, given up some of that more violent and ruthless past. Like, you know, Cad Bane said, oh, he was this violent bounty hunter who worked for the Empire. You shouldn't trust him. Well, now he's taking more of a different attack to things where it's, it's you know, I'm going to be 
a, a more constructive kind of guy. Now I'm going to live on my legacy with the helmet and the armor. And I, people know it could kill them if I wanted to, but I'm going to make it so that I empower these people. And I, I felt that was a really good message, especially when you look at, you know, the actors themselves, uh, you know, tomorrow Morrison's pushing what his sixties now. And, and, um, Ming-Na Wen, I guess, is not very far behind. You've got basically those those older actors doing things that normally Hollywood doesn't let older actors do. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're out there kicking ass and taking names, and and you know, having a great time with it. And um, I thought it was a, a great place to have Boba Fett. Is you know, he's now in a third phase of life, and he's he's taking a different a different kind of path than he has before. I really liked the stuff with the Tusken Raiders and, and how he developed with the Tusken Raiders. And I liked how it played forward into the salvation of the people from Mos Espa and, and trying to reestablish Tatooine because he learned the lesson of, you know, somebody took them out, took out the Tusken Raiders who were his family when he's got a new family and he's not going to let that happen again. You know, it, it felt that way. I know they didn't connect the dots like we were saying, but I kind of felt that way leading into it. Um, the the one big problem I have with the Tuscan Raider sequence is I love I love the legend I love everything else going on with it being able to experience that was amazing I feel like they fridged those characters uh, and that that yeah. sticks on my craw because we have too much of that especially with with native tribes in in literature and in fiction where it's like okay this outsider comes in he helps them to be better than they were so it's almost like they couldn't be better on their own uh, like changing their way of life and then they end up dead. Just, just slaughtered, you know, and, and that spurs him to vengeance as his personal motivation. It's like that was fridging. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. <laughs> nope, not at all. Um, so yeah, I, I felt like there was a lot of, of missteps like that, but I feel like the overall story of Boba Fett was just, you know, it was it was a great path forward for for someone who's in his, you know, approaching his his twilight years at this point. You know, mid, middle yeah. age to twilight years. Yeah, and definitely a good point. I mean, I think. You know, with the three stages of Boba Fett's life that we've had seen depicted already, we've gotten more on depicted actually in the first part of his life and the third part than we do the second part. Mm-hmm. And I think because we first met him in the second part and that's where we fell in love with him, but we don't have, we only have like collectively maybe like 15 minutes tops of footage of him and during that time that, that counts, quote unquote. That's what makes it frustrating because we want to see that Boba Fett more than anything because that's the one we fell in love with, and we've gotten these other two stages of him, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. where that's where some, I think that's where a lot of the conflict comes from as far as the mixed reviews of this series so far, um, and the fact that yes, they didn't um, they didn't tell the story I think as well as they could have. Um, certainly, you know the the connection the end. The end fight between him and Cad Bane should have meant a lot more, especially for those of us who remember that they were together in the first part of his life. Then that should have been brought up, I think, even more so in the in the in the series, as well as the fact that, um, you know, if he did sort of change his ways, was reborn with the Tuscan with the help of the Tuscan Raiders, him using the tool of the Tuscan Raiders to defeat Cad Bane at the end really would emphasize that and be an exclamation mark but yet it didn't feel like that it felt flat i think yeah i think a lot of that with the tuscan raiders was actually left flat for me truthfully because you know he they did the whole building up he had the bond he had you know everything created yes his tribe was decimated but 
wouldn't it have been kind of cool if, you know, while they were pinned up or something, all of a sudden you would have heard in the city and like this whole army of Tuscan Raiders coming in to protect their planet. And, you know, because they had a connection with Boba Fett and it would have been ju pure justice and pure icing on the cake in a lot of ways to have them come in to t help them take out the scourge of the pikes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I expected it to happen. It didn't happen. They, they deliberately did not focus on the child, the, the Tuscan child or the Tuscan, uh, the female warrior who was also a big part of his, his life. You know, they didn't show their bodies. They didn't show anything else. It was just, move on from that death i really expected mando who knows the, the tuscan raiders we saw that in, in season one to go out and grab you know not only the people of, of freetown uh but also then go grab the, the tribes who might know boba fett when he's out searching around and saying i'll go get you an army and bringing them to bear but he he didn't do that i, I felt that was a huge misstep that was a huge wasted opportunity and it that would have made the season complete and you know especially everything with the rebirth of boba fett mm -hmm. and it it would have totally tied it over now he's in charge and he has he has in touch with the tuscans and the city people and you know bringing them all together for better tatooine <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i firmly thought like after the massacre i thought that the female and the warrior and the uh the kid were alive we were going to discover that at some point and then boba fett was going to have this actual family um, and I think that alone would have made that connection and they could have rallied some other Tuscan Raiders to help out at the end. And it would have been, you know, awesome. I, I mean, as cool as it was to see the Rancor, um, I think story-wise the, the, the Raiders assistance would have been, um, more apt, um, and more powerful. Um, but I will say that, you know, Boba Fett riding the Rancor at the end was pretty badass, And I do want to see that as a, as a scaled figure model thing. Like that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a great tie back to the holiday special. Cause that, that pose with, with yeah, the exactly. beast was exactly right out of the holiday special. Oh yeah. Yeah. When he tells uh, Danny Trejo's character that, you know, he's like, Oh, I've ridden, you know, big creatures before or whatever. It's like, yeah, we know we saw that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I thought it was animated, but Hey, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Well, this was animated too. It's just, you know, computer generated, uh, animated. It's not like he was really, uh, well, maybe he was, I don't know. I don't know what they've got going on there. It really feels like, so I felt this way when I was watching both seasons of the Mandalorian, it felt like, um, you know, uh, Dave Filoni has been playing with his star Wars figures. He invites, Favreau over and they play some more with some Boba Fett figures, Mandalorian figures. And then, then Favreau goes, I'm going to make a, I'm going to play Boba Fett with my, I'm going to play like Boba Fett with my Boba Fett figures. And he's playing with his figures on this series. And then he invites Dave Filoni come over and David Filoni goes, Oh, I've got all these figures from Clone Wars, Ahsoka and, and <laughs> baby Yoda and, and, and Luke Skywalker and all that. Well, let's play with those in the sandbox. And like, like, it just feels like these guys are playing and having a blast. And that sort of energy, I think, still translates to me. That's what makes it, even though they these stories have their, this one in particular has its faults, I, I still love that energy. They, and it feels like these guys are still tapped into stuff that they want to see. And, and in a, on a lot of ways, we want to see it, too. And stuff we never thought we'd see. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, Agreed. 
was going to say during the, during the development of the Clone Wars too, like Dave Filoni really got the, the torch passed to him from George Lucas because, right. you know, as they're developing the Clone Wars over all those, those years, you know, he, Filoni would sit down with Lucas and like, okay, here's what I want to do. What do you think? And Lucas would be like, okay, do this. You can do this. Yeah, you can't do this here. And really gave him the download, the essence of what Star Wars is, like from his brain to Dave Filoni's fingers. So Dave Filoni really is the the custodian of the torch right now. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, when you say that, you know, he and Favre are out there playing with their action figures, it pretty much is that like they, they are tapped into the essence of the force and they, they are, this is, this is Star Wars. I'm playing this game all the way down the line. It's, it's been beautiful to watch that way. Even so that they're doing things that Lucas is like, no, nah, I don't like, cause I'm <laughs> sure George is like, no, no, Boba Fett's dead. I killed him. Boba Fett's dead. And meanwhile, they're like, no, no, we're, we're bringing it back. Sorry. You don't, this is, we're, we, you don't own this anymore. We're bringing it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do that. Um, and, you know, props to Robert Rodriguez too, because he was, he was in the sandbox as well. Um, but, uh, so what do we feel about episode five and six where we get, you know, Mandalorian 2.5 uh, season uh, coming in? Um, I figured Mandalorian was going to be in this, but I had no idea he was going to take center stage for, uh, an episode and a half. Um, when they, did, when they started playing that theme, it was like, uh, yeah. what, what, what channel is this on? Did, did I record this right? It's like, yeah, wait exactly. a minute. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, you know, uh, what did you feel about the return and the Mandalorian information? I mean, now, if you are a Mandalorian fan, you have to watch this because the Mandalorian, the next Mandalorian series, obviously things have moved ahead in that series. What do you think, Ashley? Yeah. So I'm strictly from like a standpoint of this series being about Boba Fett. I did miss the fact that he was gone for large portions of these two episodes. I feel like they did lose some valuable character development time. But at the same time, I did really enjoy seeing The Mandalorian. And I, so I'm kind of of two minds about it. Like, yes, I loved it. I don't know that it was necessarily the best fit for this series. But being what it is, it was really great to see him again. And interesting that he's now been basically kind of pushed out of the sect of the Mandalorian culture that he was a part of because he took off his helmet. And then, so he's kind of wandering on his own. He doesn't have a ship. He's turned Grogu over to Luke Skywalker. So he's trying to find his way through the universe. And even though it was a, basically a simple plot, like him just constructing and working on repairing a starfighter, I thought it was really compelling. It was fun to see. I loved the pod racing um, callback as he's testing out that ship. And then um, just seeing the bond between like him and Grogu, like, um, not going to say I teared up a few times, but I, I may have just like the bond that exists between them and the fact that they are a family and that he made that adorable little suit of chainmail for Grogu. And it was also surprising to see Luke Skywalker in so much of Luke Skywalker. That's another thing I'm kind of two minds about. Like I loved seeing Luke. I thought the CGI was scarily realistic. Like it was almost a little eerie. I do have some ongoing concerns about this digital recreation of actors and maybe taking away roles from actors you 
kind of have where you just bring people to life, but they're not necessarily real and you're doing stuff with AI. I think there's some ethical concerns that filmmakers need to continue to discuss, but strictly from a fan standpoint, I liked seeing Luke and I thought he looked great, but yeah, again, I, it's, it's interesting. We're in a really interesting time of where technology is making so many things possible. Like I never thought I would see like a young Luke Skywalker on screen again, but yeah, that interesting. Yeah. Interesting things ahead. And then um, I was half expecting Luke to show up in the final battle. Like, is he just going to come join the fun and tattooing? He did not, but <laughs> no, he did not. no, I, uh, I, I, I kind of, yeah. Um, but like you, I mean, once Luke was there and I did not expect him to be in it so much. Um, and I remember uh, now uh, my partner, Michelle does not watch the series, but she, happened to walk through the room when Luke was on and she did a double take and was like, um, is that? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm, and I just, and she just stood in awe and I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know what I'm watching right now. Like I just, this is unbelievable. Like, yeah, uh, you know, people, some people can complain about the tech, the, some of the technology and all that, but I, I thought it looked beautiful. I mean, I just, it took me like, I just was, it took my breath away. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That, the visuals in that episode with Luke's training Academy were just top notch, like film quality and even more so. So, uh, uh, Michael, what about you? What did you feel about Mandalorian taking over for a little bit? I, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like uh, on the downside here, I feel like that this would have been a lot better handled if they had done a more linear storytelling approach and, and had it, interspersed through you know a whole bunch of episodes so just two dedicated episodes uh, I, I understand what they were trying for with this this non-conventional television model I don't think it, we're ready for that as, as an audience um, as far as the content went I was blown away I, I love I love the mythology behind the dark saber and behind oh, yes. behind the origins of Mandalore and and all that like you know as they're explaining how the dark saber is working with, with the Mandalorian and then pauses, like goes in and, and approaches him and challenges him for the saber. And you can see that he's struggling with it. And so is positive. Like, like, okay, they're not, they're not the salvation of Mandalore. We learned in star Wars rebels when Sabine, Sabine was handling the dark saber. It, it connects with somebody. It's not connecting with them. Um, you know, so having that further developed and explained in live action was great. Um, you know, going down the line of, of him, you know, finally paying the bill for, for violating uh, the tenets of the religion for this, this sect or cult that he's a member of uh, was, was good to see too. Cause it really sets up what's going to happen next. Uh, they mentioned the, the living waters of Mandalore. And I'm like, okay, make this force related. You gotta make this force related because it's the living waters. Um, the, the destruction of Mandalore at the hands of the empire was heart wrenching. Like you, you hear, you've, we've heard so much about it and then you get to see it on screen. It's just like, Oh wow. You know, like I was not ready for it. Same with, you know, going to the, the, the new Jedi temple or the new training grounds for, with Luke, like, you know, I agree, I agree that the, the technology was wonderful there. I was invested in, in the order 66 flashbacks because anytime order 66 comes up, Again, my heart stops. <laughs> you know? Right, and I, I still want to know what the answer is as to who saved Grogu from the temple. Uh, we still won't see that until probably season three. Um, 
but I, I, you know, watching his story, the Mandalorian story, as it goes forward before he becomes part of the army to to help Boba Fett, was was good. It was a great story. I just wish it was handled differently in the in the chronology. Um, uh, before I forget the the introduction of Ahsoka with Luke, and I wish I would have seen the initial meeting when when they realize, you know, she realizes he's a Skywalker. And Anakin was just going, oh my god, the, the, you know, they're related. Um, but it was good to you see. You remind me of my, your father. <laughs> yeah, when, when when she when she looked at him and said, so much of your father in you, I was like, oh, that's so, oh, that's Wait. so <laughs> deep. Oh my goodness, because you, you're, you're looking at Luke Skywalker as a failed teacher, not only in this in this continuity, but in the EU. He was a failed teacher. You know, he, he is not cut out to be a teacher of, of, of students. Like, let's just put that on the table. Um, yeah, and, and, and this is before this is before the events of the the, the Force Awakens and all of that. So yeah, you know, this, he fails uh, Groku long before he fails. <laughs> yeah, Ky- Kylo, right? And, and when yeah. you know when, when Ahsoka looks at him and, and says that line, you realize at that point that like she's there to help make sure that some aspect of the Jedi order continues on, that he's doing okay as a Skywalker, but she does not trust him at all. Like, okay, you go do your thing with Grogu. I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll, I'll touch the base with you in a little bit just to make sure. But I mean, obviously she's going to have her own show. So, and I I was, I was just like, Ashley. I was expecting to see, you know, a lightsaber show up at, at uh, the the big battle in Mos Espa. Cause I, I expected that little beat to come down like, Oh, okay. Then there's the characters they are going to show up. And I'm, I'm actually glad they didn't because the the lightsabers would have been too much. It would have made just short work of the battle. It needed to be Boba Fett's battle. It needed to be the battle from Mos Espa. Not, not just, it would have, it would have taken away from Boba Fett if they were there. I yeah, absolutely. That completely. No, I mean, I thought Boba had finally two really great moments in the in the finale. One with the Rancor, and then his his showdown with Cad Bane. Um, you know, in a perfect world, I wished it would have been Boba Fett that had, had snuck in and taken care of, uh, you know, the 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 guys at the end. Uh, but you know, Fennec Shan has her moment too, so she she does a great job with that. That's impressive. Um, uh, and you know. He should be thankful every day that she's on his side. <laughs> oh yes, because if she ever got it in her head to go against him, uh, yeah, he wouldn't stand a chance. No, and that's not, not this Boba Fett. So no. uh, the, you know, the kinder and gentler Boba Fett, as we'll call it. <laughs> Mike, what did you think about uh, you know seeing a Mandalorian and all of that coming in? Well, I was as surprised as everybody else. I knew we would eventually see him during the season, either in a cameo or something. But I never thought it would be like the way we did. And having two and a half episodes almost dedicated to him. And I loved, you know, that when we saw him, he was having trouble, you know, controlling the dark saber. I loved that, you know, it was too heavy for him. He hadn't bonded with it yet. And it was an interesting thing. I did love also that we got to see Ringworld. It has not been brought up once, but it was pretty damn amazing that we got to see Ringworld. You know, we've read the books, we've, you know, (laughs) but it was, it was freaking awesome. I loved that part. But then I, you know, I liked, you know, that, you know, he got more of his mythology taken care of, but if you didn't watch the series and then you come in to watch Mandalorian season three, you'll be like, what? 
you know, Goku's back? How did that happen? And everything. You know, what did I miss? <laughs> well, you now know what you missed. <laughs> but it was interesting because I liked, you know, the whole interaction. I loved being able to see Ahsoka and uh, also Luke. I thought, you know, the CGI was great and, you know, a lot of callbacks to, you know, like in Empire and, you know, when he was carrying Gogu on his back and everything with Yoda. But I thought it was a total dick move for, you know, Luke to basically, you know, you can either get the chainmail or you can get this, you know, <laughs> Master Yoda's lightsaber. And I was like, oh, what? I yelled at the screen. Judy was like shocked. I said, what a dick. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, because it's pretty much the same thing Yoda did to Luke. You know, you could you have to be here with your training. You could, shouldn't go and save your friends, you yep. know, yep. type thing. And it was just like, Luke should know better. And this shows what kind of crap teacher Luke Skywalker is. I, I think and, he knew, though. What, that he's a crap teacher? No, yeah. I think he knew that Groku <laughs> wasn't ready. I think he knew that Groku still had attachments and that he was going to do his thing. And I, I, I don't think Luke was surprised. I mean, we don't see his reaction. But I really don't think that Luke was surprised that Groku said, like, give me the chainmail and, and give me a give me a ship out of here. Right. And it would have been a lot more kick ass if you know, if during the battle and everything it Grogu didn't sh- showed up in the r- rickshaw. I w- wish that didn't happen. It would have been awesome if like, you know, they were trying to batter those those, you know, droid the big battle droids or whatever they were. And in the force fields, and all of a sudden, the dust out of the dust clearing, Gogu shows up, you know, and everything, and you know the dirt parts and everything, <laughs> and Grogu uses the force power that he has now, and like he did, and but you know it would have been more dramatic, and you know then like, like going, that's your kid, you know, type thing and everything. Look who I brought but, to see you. It's like, this exactly. is a really bad time. <laughs> exactly. Grogu, what are you doing here? As he's lifting the, the droid up or something. You know, I thought I, something like that would have been frippin' awesome. Um, you know, I didn't think the other characters, you know, that came back with him. Oh, what's, what's the actress's name? Amy Sedaris's character mm-hmm. was, I didn't think she should have been in the battle. I, you know, I, she was there for comic relief. It wasn't, you know, I didn't really think that was all in all necessary. And I, you know, I liked what it, some of that, but I thought the battle itself fell a little flat for me. So. I, uh, yeah, I'm like, like most of you. I mean, I, I was amazed that we got so much out of the Mandalorian storyline in this. Um, I, and, and I was, very much incorrect of where I thought the Mandalorian story was going after the ends of the second season. I thought the Mandalorian was going to be compelled to go with Bo-Katan and sort of restore Mandalore in some way. Um, but instead we don't, we don't get any of that. Um, they part ways for some reason. We don't know why. Uh, but of course he still got the saber, even though he said he didn't want it at the, at the end of the season, but he has it. Um, you know, they could have just played chess for it or something, him and Bo-Katan, you know. But, um, but anyway, um, I, I, but I do like the fact that it sets up and it's really fascinating this, that he goes back to being not just a bounty hunter, but a, an assassin, a killer. Like he is, 
He is cold, hardcore, maybe even more hardcore than the beginning of the Mandalorian season was. They uh, actually sliced somebody in half on the Disney Channel. I know, right? <laughs> and uh, and so and we see that his his abs or his you know uh, connections that severed from Groku is it's he's suffering from it, and Groku's suffering from it. And so it's really interesting how now uh, they are both outcasts from their chosen religious sex, if you will. Like like he has left, you know he. He lifted up his his helmet multiple times because of Groku, right? And 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 Groku is like you know denied himself Yoda's saber and Luke's training uh, to to hang out with uh, 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 Fennec. Uh, what is his name? Fennec Shan, right? No, yeah. not Fennec Shan. Uh, what is his name? Mandalorian. Uh, uh, Din just... Djarin. Din Djarin. Thank you. Thank you. Goodness gracious. All right. So <laughs> anyway, um. So, uh, so it, that's going to be really interesting. Where that because they depart from Tatooine, you know the sh- the series uh, we we show them, you know, <laughs> going through Turbo and uh, who knows where. Um, Michael Faulkner, I, I I hope that they are going back to Mandalore because I want to see that. Yes. Uh, she said that's the only way you can get redemption. So I'm thinking. He has to do that. So that should be really interesting. I'm really hoping that we haven't seen the end of Bo-Katan. Um, for that matter, I'm really, you know, I, I'm really curious to see, like, nobody really died in this. There wasn't really a lot of consequences as far as our main crew, right? So as far as Boba Vett's uh, main cast of characters around his, his his new family, so to speak. So where does do we want to see this go from here? It will end with this, like, where do you want to see? Do you want to see a book of Boba Fett season two? Uh, do you think there's call for that? Do you want to see, you know, is it just going to, do you want to see like another Mandalorian series and maybe Boba Fett like pops up and takes care, takes over two of those episodes. <laughs> That's a balance, well, you, right? You're going to see another season of Bo- of the Mandalorians coming in December. We sure. all know that already. Sure. Yeah. So what, what about Boba Fett? Do you want to see more of the Book of Boba Fett? Do you want to see another uh, Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett chapter or volume two, uh, Ashley? You know, I think I don't necessarily need another Book of Boba Fett too, but I would really like to see these characters continue to weave into the Mandalorian storyline and some of the other shows that Disney Plus has coming up because I think there's more things that these characters could do. And obviously if they are going to return to Mandalore, do anything to kind of restore the planet, restore the culture, I would think that Boba Fett would maybe want to be a part of that since there aren't necessarily a lot of Mandalorians left. And so I think that would be really interesting to see his different perspective. And one thing that I wasn't, I was kind of surprised is that we didn't see any other clones in this series i thought that would have been kind of interesting obviously a lot of them would maybe have passed by this point because of the accelerated aging of the uh jango fett cloning program but that would have been interesting to see another clone show up so maybe that's something they can save for the mandalorian but i think that would offer some interesting storytelling possibilities wow morrison playing a dual role that's yes yeah (laughs) that would be uh that would be kind of fun. Um, and I think it's safe to say that no matter what, we will come back to, man, 
for a, a planet that is the farthest from like the action of the universe, Tatooine is like, I don't know what they deal they made for the franchise, but it seems like you can't have a Star Wars series without going to Tatooine. Like, it's just, always showing up. It makes you think that Obi-Wan should have picked a different place to hide Luke. You know, it kind of seems like this is a happening place. So, <laughs> Yeah, because the next series that we get is Obi-Wan, right? And we're going to be right, going right back to Tatooine. Uh, it, may, it must be cheap to film there or something. Yeah. <laughs> Extra <laughs> tax why. credits from the Mos Eisley city right. government. Absolutely. Uh, Michael Faulkner, what about you? What do you want to see happen next? You know, I, I think uh, maybe we should be done with, with the book of Boba Fett. Uh, I think it was a good stepping stone and kind of, you know, push some characters forward. Um, but I, I think maybe Boba's story is, is in a good spot just to leave it. I mean, they gave us the stinger of Cobb Vanth in the, in the back to tank and getting you know, modified by that, uh, by that surgeon. Um, that may be a good stepping stone. I know the, the Rangers of the New Republic spinoff they talked about was kind of put on hold with the entire, uh, Cara Dune thing, you know, with, with that actress, uh, you know, getting, getting kind of let go or set aside. Uh, they may be able to put him into that same spot and say, okay, now you're headlining Rangers of the New Republic and go off and do that spinoff. Wow. Um, you know, they, they obviously could bring in Cad Bane for the Kenobi series and kind of, you know, change the makeup a little bit and, and, say okay well he came to Tatooine at this point and interacted with with obi-wan um you know just kind of t- kind of take the characters and move them along the chessboard a bit and kind of get get both away from Tatooine uh as a locale kind of explore the, the galaxy overall and just use it as, as a stepping stone to move forward with the storytelling you know we still have the ahsoka story coming up which i i don't know where that's supposed to be set but i'm assuming with everything else it's going to be kind of parallel with this um, there's some rumors of Sabine Wren being in there, which may lead to the salvation of the Mandalorians, uh, because they've, they've laid those, those seeds back in Star Wars Rebels. Um, you know, and there's still the quest for Thrawn and find Ezra Bridger, who was lost at the end of Rebels as well. So, you know, there's a lot of ground to be covered and, and <laughs> Tatooine is, it needs to, needs to go into the shadows. Um, I will say that, uh, the members of the family who were lost during this just, just rest in peace for the pork bros. Because you know they fell off a cliff. <laughs> true, it's true. Whoops. There, was no, there was no trampoline at the bottom of that right. cliff. There, right, right. We did, we did lose some Gamorrean guards, as always. Uh, how, how yeah, that I... was that was kind of sad that everybody else came back for the like the big battle, except no, no Gamorrean guards. No Gamorreans. <laughs> I thought the I thought the Wookiee was gone for though. I really, really did. Yeah, yeah. Kurzstan was was an amazing uh, addition to this show. I think it's the first time a character that was created for the comics was used in live action, which I think is amazing. Uh, he's got a great look, and I think he's a great addition. Um, the fact that Cobb Vent is 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 alive. Um, that makes me think that we're going to get another Boba Fett show. Like, I'm like, why else would you, unless you, like you said, like, that's an interesting point to bring him into another series, like the Rangers or whatever, because he is a good character. And uh, I was ready to say goodbye to him, even though I hated to say goodbye to him. I was ready for that, but nope, they didn't even give us that. So, um, but what a way to go for him too, you know, going against the first appearance in live action, of Cad Bane. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Yeah. No, I mean, I thought Cad Bane was handled really well. Uh, interestingly, how in last season of Bad Batch, we had seen Cad Bane go up against Fennec Shand, 
to I think a, a draw, right? They they I don't. She kind of got a better of him. She kind of got the better much. of him, right? So, but I mean, but still, he was he, he left alive, which most people who who face Fennec Shan can't say, <laughs> right? And, and, I, and I think one of the big standouts right now too. And I understand why they didn't do it because Bad Batch still has to deal with the character, but I mean, Fennec and Cad both know about Omega, and so it's like. There's been no mention between Boba Fett and Omega, right. uh, you know, and I, I half expected them to drop that that little nugget in there, like, "Hey, I know your sister." Um, but <laughs> maybe if they really have to do a book of Boba Fett season two or bring him back in a future crossover somewhere, you know, there may be the chance of bringing Omega in as well. But yeah, yeah, well, never say never. Not okay. especially with these guys at the helm; they are willing to bring back everybody, yeah, yeah. Uh, as we've seen, and anybody. Uh, so it's pretty amazing. Uh, Mike, what, uh, do you want to see more of the book of Boba Fett and how, where do you stand? I stand that we're getting Mandalorian and maybe in a couple of years, get more Boba Fett because pretty much the way they ended book of Boba Fett kind of was like, now he's Don Corleone, you know, type thing. He's the Godfather. He's the one over, over suing. He's earned the respect of the people of the, town you know there's a lot more towns on tatooine than just this one so there's work to do and i'll be very curious to see what happens and i would love to visit the characters again but not too soon basically and there's so much other star wars stories to tell i would you know we're gonna you know i would love to see more with Cobb. i would love to see you know what what do they have planned for him? I think it probably has something to do with the Rangers. I would almost guarantee it. And, you know, we're also getting Ahsoka. We're getting Obi-Wan. You know, we're getting another season of Bad Batch. You know, there's so much still coming our way. You know, but Bad Batch takes place even before Rebels did. So, you know, so we're going to, you know, it's a little bit of time jumping. Obi-Wan takes place, of course, around that same time period or so, you know, a little bit after, you know, it's way before Star Wars because Ben had, you know, aged unless the desert life did that to him or something, you know, (laughs) but you know, but you have to wait and see. Um, but I would, I'd like to see Boba Fett more. I want to see more Boba Fett, maybe not Boba Hmm. Boba Fett though. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, if I, if they're going to do more Boba Fett, it would be, uh, okay to leave it for a couple of years, uh, and then have some really big story that he could be involved with. Um, possibly, I mean, I know that they're, they were talking about ties to the, what is it? The black star syndicate. Is that my right on that? That, uh, that, uh, the character, uh, Kira, from Solo, Star Wars uh, story is part of Dark Darth Maul was over it, right? The Black Sun, yes. isn't it? Yeah, Black Sun. Sorry, yeah. sorry thank you. Crimson yes. Dawn. Black Sun. Sorry. Oh yeah, Crimson yeah. Dawn. Black Sun was EU. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Same okay. difference. Yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, because I think they kind of allied that you know that are sort of implied that the that the the drug the Spice Guys were working for some bigger syndicate, you know. So obviously, you know, if 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 Boba's making a play like this, um, there's going to be other 
forces, underground forces in the universe that are not going to take uh, that kindly to that. So, and the Pikes are not going to take kindly to this. It's just this is just one little right. sind- part of the syndicate. They're going to be coming back full force. Yes. Yeah, um, but um, I would... Oh, but he has a rancor. Watch out, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to need more than a rancor, I think. Uh, you know, although when you have Shan on your side, what else do you really need? Um, yeah, they could have used her in the battle, right? Like, you take your best warrior, and you're like, no, no, you go away and lead us to the like everybody else. Like, that didn't seem to be, like, smart strategy to me. There was too many times where Boba Fett didn't... He was constantly going, like, you know, should I trust him? Should I do this? What should I do? He's constantly looking for advice. It just made him look weak uh, through a lot of the series. So, um, uh, I yeah, now that he's done and he's 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 now the head. Uh, he's 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 won the day. Now we should see like a confident Boba Fett drug lord or not drug lord, but like crime lord or whatever, and on Tatooine and a presence that. I think uh, the next series he should be much better received, I think, and, and stronger for. So anyway, all right. So I think we've uh, we've died pretty good, and we were pretty good. We didn't really, like, you know, get too divisive, which is always nice. Um, so I appreciate it, guys. Uh, we will be right back and get creative. If you were a monster kid growing up, if you enjoyed Saturday mornings watching monster movie matinee or staying up all night watching the midnight feature, then Monster Attack is the podcast for you. We not only look at classic old monster movies, we share our experience growing up as a monster kid. Join us every Monday for Monster Attack. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for the creative outlet segment. And we're here with Paul Gomez. Welcome, sir. How are you? Very well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. And you have a new Kickstarter going. Tell us all about it. That's right. My newest Kickstarter is called Chris <laughs> Cryptic Haze. And basically what it is is my homage to Batman's The Killing Joke. It's a unique spin, and what I say is I tell people that I try to do a, a unique way of monkey's paw, if you will, or a dark fantasy island. Oh, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. And, you know, do tell, you know, how, you know, how did you come up with the concept and, you know, how did you, you know, develop the characters and such? Well, I've started because I'm trying to build a career in comics and I, I started out with two other comics before this ptsd and bushy boo circus mystery when this one came about i wanted to do something different than both of those and try to build a library of of my writing so people could see my range this concept actually came out whenever i was helping a friend out and he was a little devastated about what was going on with his life and his life partner and i said to myself what would happen if you were devastated by this one person that you love the most and then you had an option if you will to 
control people's minds at that point. What would you do with that power? And how would you control it? Could you contain yourself or do you just go out there and rob banks? Oh, interesting, interesting, interesting. And I saw some of the work that you did, you know, up, that's up there on Kickstarter. And who is the artist on the project? The, the artist is named San Espina. He actually worked with me on my first project, PTSD, and his art was so beautiful and amazing, his unique paneling. I had to hire him not only for that one book, but also for two more books in the future, including Cryptocase. That is awesome. So will this be a one-shot comic, or is it a continuing story? Uh, and trying to trying to get my library out of, of ranged kind of different stuff. PTSD was a one-shot. My Bushy Boo Circus Mysteries, which was my second one, is a 12-issue. And this one, I decided to make three issues because I wanted to challenge myself a little bit. Nice. That is very awesome. I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. And how long, much longer do you have the Kickstarter going for? I believe we have it for about 18 days. It's going to be in the March the 7th, I believe, is the last day. So we're kind of hitting that mid-ray point, and we're going from there. Cool. It looks like you're starting to get fairly close. And, you you know, it's worth it, folks. If you get a chance to see this project, it's really awesome. Paul, I'm really impressed with what you've come up with in this. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, I, I put in a, a bunch of effort. I was trying not to cut corners. I wanted to find art and details, including the story that made it worthwhile. If you were spending any penny, you got every penny's worth. Congratulations cool. on getting the uh, Projects We Love Kickstarter badge, too. That's a pretty good accomplishment as well. Thank you. Yes, we were happy whenever they gave that to us. We were overjoyed. Just the fact that everyone seemed to, to jump on this project, loved every part of it. That's one of the main things that I was reaching for with every project that I have. Like I said, I, I want to make sure that you get every penny's worth, not only because I'm selling this, but because I'm a comic book fan as well. And I never wanted to spend a, a penny on a comic that really didn't keep you interested to the end. That is awesome, and it looks like you know it's going to be a riveting tale. So, and I'm very much looking forward to. It. So, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's going to be Paul Gomez Seven Ninety on all three of those. I'm also a ho- a co-hosting on Comics Crusader on every Friday on Thank Indie and also Sundercats, which we look at new indie books as well and talk about the the comic industry that is awesome that is awesome well paul good luck with it and folks if you get a chance to donate i think it's it's a worthy cause and i think you'll be very entertained with this comic man i really really do paul thank you so much for joining us tonight thank you mike and mike for having me i appreciate it thank you so much let's take a quick break and we will be back and we're going to be closing up our show Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about the Peacemaker finale. Holy cow, did Peacemaker jump out of nowhere? Well, okay, not out of nowhere since he was in the Suicide Squad, but this show hit me like a pile of bricks. It was wonderful, and it was a huge surprise with just how amazing that it was. The finale closed up the story and did an amazing job of finishing up the season. We are getting a season two, 
But with how James Gunn ended season one, it was incredibly satisfying and wouldn't have left fans angry if they didn't get a season two, which is very rare with a lot of shows in their writing. Having a good ending is always really, really hard to have in a series that we know the writers want to continue. And I'm really excited to see which character we're going to get in Black Adam since it's a rumor that a Peacemaker character is going to show up in that movie. I loved the cameo at the end. Seeing Aquaman and the Flash was a really nice touch and really, really funny with their banter because it was jokes we had heard throughout the television series, but it was really funny hearing those actual characters joke about it. John Cena brought so many layers to Peacemaker, a character that most of us wanted to punch in the face for all of the Suicide Squad, so props to him for being such a great actor to make this character come alive and make you feel for someone that you know isn't great, but is also a human just trying to do what he thinks is right for justice. I have so much good stuff to say about this show. The writing was great. The character development was fantastic. The music choices were top notch. Hair metal bands all over the place, and it was great. The opening credits were so fun. It's all so good. Also, it has the cutest eagle ever. Eagly is still my favorite DC animal at this point, I think. Even though I do love Crypto from Titans. But Eagly is way up there on my list, and I love him. I need a plushie of Eagly. Really, I do. Peacemaker is very high up there for my favorite DC shows that have been made so far. And that's saying a lot, because I watch a lot of DC shows, and I am still very upset about Swamp Thing getting canceled. But Peacemaker is very, very high up there, and I would really recommend this to anyone wanting to watch a DC show. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So let's go wrap up another episode of the Air Station One podcast. I want to thank our guests for being here. Mr. Mike Faulkner, thank you so, so much as always. Hey, thanks for having me back. It is a pleasure to discuss Star Wars with, with you. So, Anything you want to shout out about? Hey, I'll always shout out about my, my website, Creative Criticality. Uh, it's at creativecriticality.net. I do a lot of things there. Every week I look at uh, at pop culture, something that's been you know on my mind. I've called the segment Culture on My Mind. Uh, I do a, a bi-weekly look at science and, and, and technology and, and engineering and art and math. I call it Steam Saturday. And then, of course, the thing that I'm, I'm best known for is the Time Stance Project, which is a look at Doctor Who uh, in chronological order. Um I'll be taking this week as a record off, but coming back in the first part of March with the snowmen, uh, with Matt Ooh. Smith and, uh, Jenna Louise Coleman. So, uh, you look forward to that and much more on creativecriticality.net. That is awesome. And Ashley Pauls, thank you. Thank you as always. Oh, thank you. Always a pleasure. And especially to talk about star Wars. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, just that you can find my blogs over on the ESO uh, podcast website. I'm excited about some of the movies coming up this year and some TV stuff too. So lots to write about. Nice. Very, very nice. And thank you for everything you do for the website. Thank you. Everything you do for our podcast. You know, it's weird thinking that you've been with us for almost 10 years now. I know. Yeah. I was thinking back. I, 
one of the first podcasts I remember doing was the Avengers movie, which would have been 2012. So yeah, I've, it has been a decade. So wow. mm-hmm. exactly. So it's pretty amazing. And you know what? You are a true, true trooper to put up with us. So thank you. Well, it's <laughs> been fun. So hopefully 10, 10 more years of geeky fun uh, up here on the station. Oh, I hope so. Cause by then you'll hit 30. So it's be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be more than that, but let's not get into numbers. <laughs> N- numbers don't count. Numbers yeah, cause, don't count. Cause, cause yeah, we will be too old to even speak. So we're going to be, we're going to be depending on you a lot. Yeah, <laughs> very much so, because we'll be forgetting things left and right by the time we're done. Because it'll be very interesting. Um, uh, you know what? You do such a great job for us. Why don't you just take next week off? But we'll need you back the week after for Batman. All right. Well, I'll, I'll enjoy my week and, and my bonus, and I'm sure my bonus check that will be coming in the mail. Oh, of course. Of course. Your anniversary bonus. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So we, we appreciate it. Well, and thanks. Ms- Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. I mentioned uh, our good friend, Jay Schur. He used to be part of the Story Geeks podcast. I don't think that's going on anymore, but he has a channel on YouTube and a website and all that. And uh, it's called How Stories Work. And I definitely recommend checking out not only his Boba Fett episode, but... uh, his other more recent episodes too. He did one on Peacemaker. He's done one on some of the MCU movies, et cetera, et cetera. He's got a really interesting look, uh, take on a lot of things. The the way that stories are being told now in our pop culture and always uh, great. You know, we need to have him back on the show at some point because he's always a he's been a good friend to us and uh, he's he's it's nice to know he's still out there doing his thing. It is pretty darn awesome and he he's fun to listen to. So yes, pretty cool stuff. All right, my shout-out is not really a shout-out. I'm going to bitch for a moment. Um, Over the weekend, we went to a murder mystery at this local restaurant in the Atlanta area. It was in this ballroom, and it had this professional PA system and such. And, you know, we've been doing podcasting for 12 years now uh, for Station One, and we kind of pride ourselves that we actually have decent sounding audio, but my God, when this murder mystery, it was like, we were all in this one ballroom together and it sounded like the guy was coughing like this the whole time. It was not really good. And he, it was, it was just horrible. And you couldn't even hear half the things that were going on. Folks, if you're doing any kind of audio work and everything, try to practice and get the sound right before you start performing in front of people and everything. I know we're not a number one out there, but we try to do decent stuff. It's just a bitch. I had to get off my chest and you're my family out there. Who else can I share it with? So it's always a good thing. So, you know, that's my thing right now. Um, but some good, a little bit of news. We will be back on Patreon very, very soon for another rant and rave. Speaking of ranting for a few minutes, Mike and I are going to be coming back and we're going to be talking about around the world in 80 days. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. It had the PBS season finale, um, was last night and it was a ton of fun and leaves the door open for more adventures with Phineas Fogg should be a ton of fun so we're going to be doing that so available to patreons probably within the next week or so so check it out 
And speaking of checking it out, we're going to be back again next week, and we are looking at the Peacemaker. Not the gun, but the superhero. And don't make any jokes about not being able to see the superhero or anything like that, because it's John Cena. I promise that will not be in the episode. Well, I can't make that promise, but we're going to try not to be able to do that. But definitely check us out. We're going to be back again next week. And, of course, as we always like to say, feedback is available, as always, at feedback at earthstation1.com. We definitely would love to hear from you. If you haven't yet, please rate our show. Five stars is the best way to let us know that you guys are listening, reviews, anywhere you listen to your podcast. And, you know, that's how we get our signs across, and that's how people find us. And as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station 1 podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find us at at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, everywhere else you could find great podcasts. Even Earth Station One is there. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, of course, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ashley Pauls, and Michael Faulkner. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next time on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and of course, peace. And we'll see you soon. Cheers. And we're done. Yay. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.